Eagles Entertainment. The journey to the draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 25th pick in the NFL draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. We're back here in the friendly confines of the NovaCare Complex in Philadelphia. We're back on the road. Yeah, C-Mac and I, as I welcome in Chris McPherson, back on the road from the East-West Shrine Bowl. And we, uh, we've we got a lot of stuff to cover today. C-Mac and I are going to give our practice player awards uh, from the Shrine Bowl at the top of the show in Draft Buzz. Pick six. C-Mac and I are going to go through six matchups we're excited to see in Saturday's East-West Shrine Bowl. And then we're going to welcome in Ben Fennell and kind of talk through uh, the next next week, the Senior Bowl is here for our trip to Mobile, Alabama. Uh, so we'll kind of go through all of the the top players that we're excited to see once we get down there to the Senior Bowl. As always, again, just a quick reminder, the best way to throw your support for this show is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating and leave us a comment. It's the best way to throw us some help or throw us some assistance. And then also, uh, if you throw a question on there, we'll answer it here on the show, as always. So uh, without any further ado, let's, now, uh, let's get into the top here. It's time for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, C-Mac, let's get to it. This was uh, this was actually something of, of your idea. You, you mentioned it. You know, it would be nice if they did uh, practice player awards like they do at the Senior Bowl for the Shrine Bowl. I said, I was thinking, all right, well, why don't, why don't we just do it ourselves? Yeah, there's uh, little there's little things. This is my first Shrine Bowl, yeah. and getting the experience, there are definitely some subtle differences between how this is run and the Senior Bowl is run. And Jim Nagy does a phenomenal job with the way he does it with the Senior Bowl. And this is one of the little things just to give some added pub for these guys who, you know, have come out here. They put it all out in the line this week. Some guys have changed positions to sure. uh, try to improve their draft stock. All right. Well, let's uh, first of all, before we get into these players, this is not how we feel these guys are going to get drafted. No. Some of these guys we've talked about, we know are not as good or as talented or you know, have as much upside as some of the other players in attendance. This is strictly off of who flashed the most to us. And also the other big thing at the senior bowl, we watch everything from the stands. You know, we're up high so we can kind of dart around. We can look at different drills. Shrine Bowl, I try and take advantage of being down on the field, being close to the action. And with that in mind, you can only keep your focus in one area. It's not like you're watching a couple different drills as they're happening. Typically, I have my eyes on one player at a time. Uh, so obviously, the, the focus is a little bit more narrow. It's so challenging because you want to come out with it saying, okay, do I have a good feel about, or, or do I have something to say about every guy on the roster? And, and you're not going to, yeah. And I felt like at the Senior Bowl, last year was my first Senior Bowl experience. Right. And I felt pretty good about those players. You felt like, okay, these are the guys who we're going to want to follow their trajectory through the rest of the draft process. After this week here at the Shrine Bowl, a lot of these guys, largely forgettable. Right. I'll, I'll be completely honest. And I think that will probably show itself through the course of the draft process, especially when we start seeing the guys next week at the Senior Bowl, and then we get into the underclassmen and start preparing for the NFL scouting combine. But again, this was really about... Who are some of these guys who maybe have those traits that stand out that say you could say to yourself, all right, we're getting to day three of the draft. Right. You know, let's take a flyer on a guy who has this exceptional ability or something that he can bring to the table that we may not have that maybe is a little raw and unrefined, but with some coaching, maybe it could be, uh, you know, something 
you know, maybe a, There's something to work with. Something to work with, exactly. Yeah, I think that we'll start a quarterback. And, you know, for me, uh, the guy I was most excited to see coming into this week was Tommy Stevens, the quarterback from Mississippi State. But my number one quarterback coming in was James Morgan from FIU. Uh, not a lot of people have talked about this kid. Well-built. Solid tools all across the board. I thought he really operated well within the in tight confines of a pocket uh, on film. Coming into this week, I thought he was rock solid. And I wasn't studying the quarterbacks throw by throw, but number of times I would say, oh, man, there was a nice ball. Who threw that one? And I was, oh, there's James Morgan. Oh, there's James Morgan. Oh, there's James <laughs> yeah. Morgan. So it wasn't like he like ripped the practice field up, but it seemed like he just was rock solid throughout the course of the week. So for me, uh, at quarterback, it was James Morgan. You know, it was interesting because we got back around 830 or so last, last night, night yep. you know, on uh, Wednesday evening, and the first thing you did, come back to the NovaCare Complex, you went to your draft database and started going through, all right, where did I have these guys ranked beforehand? And it was very interesting to see that you've gone through the tape on these guys, done amazing studies on these players, and you have really well-crafted opinions and analysis of all these guys. But then you see them up close, and it's like, oh well, maybe that's there are not a few quite. where I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if that, that matched up with what I saw yeah. for sure. Uh, so for my quarterback here, I went with Tyler Huntley on the West Squad out of Utah. Uh, very great, decorated career in the Pac-12. The big thing for me this week was he could throw on the run, he could throw it on a rope. When you would watch the West offense, really the only time I felt like it got going mm. was when Huntley was at quarterback. Yep. That was a big thing. So part of it may be he was performing at such a better level that the other quarterbacks on the West squad alone that it really made it stand out. Uh, but some of the throws they had, I it's one of those things where, you know, I just really flashed and really uh, you know caught my eye this week. So I'll go with Tyler Huntley as my quarterback who uh, impressed me the most. So at running back, I went with a guy that I actually selected for a pick six this week, and that was James Robinson from Illinois State, uh, a player that – Pretty well-rounded. He's really tough. I liked his toughness downhill. We I cited his vision and some of those inside run periods and how he was able to find a cut that or find a crease that the coaches and the offensive line guys, the, the backups behind the play, all cheered as soon as he hit it. And so I think that that kind of speaks uh, to his vision and his feel working downhill. Again, tough to kind of single out a running back, uh, especially when it's not focused in on, oh, they made great catches in space or did a great job in pass protection drills. But James Robinson was the guy I thought that, to me, stood out most this week. I like, I like that one. James Robinson, he's someone who seems like a hard-charging back. Like, once you get him downhill, once you get him going, and you talked about the vision that he showed during the course of the week, that he's going to be someone that guys aren't going to want to get in front of and have to bring to the ground. Uh, I went with someone who, a little bit on the smaller side, yep. Levante Bellamy. Sure. And for me, it was watching some of the, the drills early in the week where you just saw he was very fluid, very quick in and out of his cuts. You know, someone who was just operated at a much smoother level than I felt than a lot of the other running backs here in attendance. So uh, Levante Bellamy got the tip of the cap for me. Wide receiver was a tough one for me because I I watched I spent a lot of time watching the wide receivers down here uh, or down there at the Shrine Bowl, and so there were a lot of guys I thought could have made their case. We saw some big plays uh, from a number of different players. I mentioned three of them on the podcast yesterday, uh, but to me, the guy that was just consistent from day after day after day was Nick Westbrook from Indiana, a guy that I wasn't expecting too much out of uh, coming into the week. He knew he was a big guy. I knew he caught the ball pretty well, but uh, I thought he moved a little bit better than I expected, and overall, just had a rock-solid week. I would go Nick Westbrook from Indiana. It's funny. I thought you were going to go with Mason Kinsey, the Berry kid. Yep. I, I thought it was like, you know, as we're going through, because at first we were like, well, you know, 
do we agree on them? Do we each pick one and going through the list? And I was like, a wide receiver, oh, he's going to pick the Barry kid. And then when you said Nick Westbrook, I'm like, well, that's the one who I was actually yep. going to go with. Made contested catches in traffic on slant routes. Caught everything made, thrown his way. Yeah, it was, and you know, and it carried over. It was consistent throughout the course of the week. That was the big thing is it's one thing to flash and have a great practice, but you got to you gotta stack the days, yep. so to speak. So I, I thought Nick Westbrook, I agree with that one as well for and a receiver. For me, that's how I felt about Mitchell Wilcox at tight end. You know, and I, there are other guys that, you know, like I like Giovanni Ricci a little bit more on film. I thought his upside was a little bit higher. I uh, thought he, I was hoping he would flash more because yeah. you were, I was intrigued by his background, yep. Western Michigan kid, converter receiver. I was like, all right. And you saw the tape right before we left for the Shrine Bowl and you were like, oh, this, this kid's a player. I, nothing ever jumped out. That's the thing. It, it's a lot of these guys, you might be like, oh, what do you think of so and so? I, don't even know if he was there. Right. It was right. you know, it's sure. just it was nothing nothing memorable, so right. to speak. So No, for me, Wilcox, I mean, he caught everything thrown his way, uh, you know, and, and seemed to run sharp routes in some of the one on one periods that I watched. Uh, a guy that, you know, to and to me, he was a guy coming in, kind of fitting into that bucket of players that has a defined role. Like he's gonna play in the NFL as a backup tight end. Uh, and I thought that he looked the part uh, throughout the course of the week of practice. Yeah, I, I would have said the same thing about Dominic Wood Anderson of right. Tennessee. So he's my Practice player of the week at tight end, good route runner. Some of the players were praising his route running ability, line up along the line of scrimmage, tight to the formation. Uh, so it's sort of the same thing. I, I remember, I think Ben said on the preview episode, a Mark Andrews type, right. yep. type of player, and we've seen what he's done with the Ravens. I kind of saw the same things with Dominic Wood Anderson, who wasn't very productive as a as a pass catcher. I think he made a 20 receptions, 21 receptions this past season for the Volunteers. But overall, uh the route running traits were, were impressive, and it seems like he can do everything that you need a tight end, especially if you're going to go for a backup at the NFL level. Offensive line, we just picked one guy, um, and we actually agreed. We saw the same player. To me, he was a player that I, I was just going back, looking at the rundowns from the, each show this every, week. But every day. Every Mr. Relevant we had on the show brought up Kevin Dotson from Louisiana Lafayette, or Louisiana as it's called now. Uh, Dotson, I mean, he... He did did everything he was asked. Pass protection, one on one, run game, everything. He looked he looked good across the board. Everybody seemed to take notice uh, of the guard from Louisiana. Did you uh, speak to his coach? I did not. Okay, so I saw one of the Louisiana coaches. You talked to the Charlotte. I coach. talked to this. Yeah, I talked That's to the Charlotte. Okay, coach, I remember yeah. you said you were talking to one of the college coaches because some some of the college coaches will come to support yep. their guys. Uh, a couple of the North Dakota State coaches were were in attendance. Sure. Um, but that's a, that's the thing is. Everyone all week, Kevin Dotson generated the most buzz yeah. of all the O-linemen this week. So uh, pretty much a no-brainer there. Yeah, and so it's funny you bringing up the Charlotte coach. Uh, Alex Highsmith is my pick for uh, edge player that, that stood out most to me. And I thought you saw some of that juice off the edge, the ability to turn the corner. Uh, I saw a lot of that with Alex Highsmith, former walk-on, a guy that uh, came in and made the most of his opportunity, turned into a, a really reliable player for them over the last couple of years. He's well-built, looks the part. Again, looks he's, the part. he's a little bit sh- – he's shorter he's smaller but he's well he's he he looks the part of a guy that looks like he can play in the NFL uh Highsmith was the guy that I thought got practice player of the week off the edge to me Highsmith was very good Derek Tuska from North Dakota State he's you really I mean you liked really liked him, Tuska. loved him yep. day one he was someone who was winning the one-on-one drills getting sacks in team periods relentless yep. high motor he's he's going to be to me someone who's like a pain in the butt to go against in practice Interesting. every single day so i think it's you know what you're going to get out of him great character it seemed to be uh from the time i i spent chatting with him so and again every day he seemed like to be he was jumping out and flashing so i, I went with tusca as my uh player 
Practice player of the week from the edge rushers. So for me, a defensive line on the interior, we're talking about defensive tackles. There were a few players we could have picked here. You know, uh, Cleo Davis certainly flashed. Very good. Uh, Bravion Roy from Baylor certainly flashed. Raekwon Williams flashed every single day. But John Penasini, the, the, it didn't seem like they had answers for him. It started day one, and it continued up through day three. I mean, he uh, was, to, to me, the most consistently disruptive player, run game, pass game, from the defensive tackle. And that's a, that team has a good group of interior linemen. They do, yes. That's the thing. So for him to stand out the way he did amongst that class – Really showed the, the consistency throughout the, all three days of practice. So, yeah, great call there. Another player, because you've talked about his teammate who has, the highest, yep. who has the higher ceiling. Are we going to see him next we'll week? We'll see him next week. We'll see him in Mobile next week. But Penasini is someone who, again, sort of like Kevin Dotson, really, really helped his cause here at the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, that Utah defense full of studs at all three levels. And to me, he was a guy that just flew under the radar, rock-solid player, and then that showed up uh, this week. A number of play- uh, offensive linemen that I talked to cited him as the toughest guy they faced all week. So it kind of speaks to uh, what he was able to do on the practice field. All right, let's go to linebacker, another player you and I agreed with, uh, a guy that was constantly around the ball in run periods, Miami Shaq Quarterman. Yeah, the thing is... I really didn't get a good feel for any of these linebackers in coverage as much as I was hoping to. Yep. But when it comes to playing the run, Shaq Quarterman, no doubt about it, reads the keys well, fills the gaps well. Multiple players have talked about how tough it was to run against him. Uh, it was interesting seeing him and his teammate there, Pickney from from, from Miami. Miami. Yeah. The, you know, it's like the two of them been in sync for years, you know, playing so much ball together down at the U, you know, coming here, playing on the same team at the Shrine Bowl. But uh, Corman, I thought, you know, going back to our preview episode, this is what he is. Right. Okay. The question, and that's, we get into later on in the show, we're going to talk about our game preview, what we want to see on Saturday or the matchups we're looking forward to see on Saturday. And one of those for me is going to be Quarterman in coverage to see if we're going to see a little bit more of that. Yeah, uh, Quarterman to me is a guy that looked exactly how he looked on film uh, at that game, was active around the ball. He's a productive player throughout his career with the Hurricanes, and that showed up. Let's go to the secondary, and we'll go to corner. A couple guys that I thought I, I put in consideration here for my pick. I went to the Big Ten and Chris Williamson. Uh, okay. Again, from day one, he was a guy who flashed, made plays on the ball, got a lot of praise from the, from the coaches there. Uh, the cornerbacks coach on that side seemed to love Chris Williamson. Um, very, very yeah, energetic. No question. Very, brought a lot of juice to yep. practice. A lot of energy to that practice. Yeah, it was great to see. Played inside, played outside. Uh, kind of similar to um, the, the kid that the Redskins took uh, in the seventh round, uh, Jimmy Moreland from Moreland, James yep. Madison last year. Uh, Jimmy Moreland was all over the place down there at the Shrine Bowl last year. Uh, Williamson, maybe not quite to that level uh, in terms of how often he was at the ball, but mm-hmm. made plays every time it came his way. Had an interception in, in one-on-ones down the field in one late in practice where the entire team, the entire stadium is watching. Uh, so Williamson, to me, stood out most of the corners. So, similar reasons... Because when you see one-on-one wide receiver defensive back drills, when the when the defensive back is coming away with intercep- interception, it's like you've got good instincts. You're able to keep up with the player. You know, you really recognize where the ball is going to be coming. And Keith Washington, I thought, did a good job from West Virginia. Yeah. Someone who the coaches were giving a lot of praise, but working on some, you know, small details with throughout the course of the week. Uh, along the same vein was – Active around the ball, number of pass breakups, a yep. couple of interceptions. So to me, I, Chris, I figured you were going to go with Chris Williamson because you know over the course of a couple of days, you kind of get a sense for like who people are liking. I know you're a big Chris Williamson guy, but I thought Keith Washington, who was a ball hawk in his one year playing for the Mountaineers, yep. 
showed a lot of the same traits here at the Shrine Bowl. So every year at the Shrine Bowl, they bring in guys from the military academy. It's typically one guy from Navy, one guy from Army. They'll bring in a guy from Air Force as well uh, at times. And, you know, typically those guys don't necessarily shine all that much. You know, we've, we've talked a good amount uh, about Malcolm Perry, the, the Navy quarterback, big one, wide yeah. receiver. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, you talk with people around the league and, you know, just ask, like, all right, who's flashed? A couple people told me, you know, the, the safety from Army, he's a converted corner, Elijah yeah. Riley, moved to safety during the week of practice, was constantly around the ball, was flying around, really physical, thumper, uh, you know, despite the fact he's a little bit shorter, he was flying around and was, you know, a lot of people uh, took notice of the way that he was playing. I saw a lot in the one-on-one drills, individual drills, the footwork isn't the best, which is yep. why I think he's making the shift from cornerback to safety, but he seems like he has the toughness that you're going to want in the position. Uh, he's going to be a guy who... I would envision you're projecting down the line, like could be a guy who special teams is, would relish in that type of role. But uh, but especially you mentioned making the conversion. That's pretty darn good if you're making the shift here because yep. some guys are hesitant to make the shift because they don't know if, you know, they're going to be able to thrive as well. And obviously, you know, you want to do whatever the coaches are asking of, of you, but at the same time, you're trying to put your best tape out there. So uh, kudos to him for uh, doing well with the transition. Yeah, so that's how we felt about these guys dur- during the week of practice. Now let's transition now to our next segment, Pick 6, where C-Mac and I are going to break down some of the big matchups you should be watching when you see this game on Saturday. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, so Saturday, this Saturday, 3 p.m. on NFL Network. If you've got NFL Network, you can watch the East-West Shrine Bowl. And all these players that we've been talking about all week are going to be taking the field, and they're going to go head-to-head, East versus West. So uh, on our plane ride back last night, I turned mm-hmm. to c and I said, all right, let's pick some of the matchups we're excited. We've seen the East go against the East all, all week. We've seen the West go against the West all week. Now it's time to see who from each side is going to stand out. And so uh, I'll go first, and I'm going to go with that West defensive tackle group, and that's a group, see, like you mentioned earlier, it was a yeah, good group on that stacks. side. So John Penasini from Utah was really disruptive. Bravion Roy, nose tackle, 330 pounds, showed the ability to change the line of scrimmage in the run game and has some initial quickness to him. He was pr- uh, productive this week. Raekwon Williams made plays every single day in the backfield out of Michigan State as a defensive tackle. I think he's going to be a nice backup in the NFL. And then Khalil Davis, uh, some people think was one of the best players there out of Nebraska. And I think when you look at Khalil Davis, he's got some of that disruptive ability, was very productive this season. So uh, you look at that group against this East interior offensive line, Darrell Williams from Mississippi State had some struggles this week, but an athletic player that can get out in space and make plays in the screen game. Michael Onwenu, complete opposite. He is like 6'2", 365. He is a giant, stumpy offensive lineman who can win at the point of attack. John Runyon, you talked with him, uh, the Michigan offensive lineman who played tackle mostly in college and seems like he's seen more reps at guard, played some center this week yeah. as well. Uh, I, thought, I thought he acquitted himself nicely. Yeah, I, I thought, thought he did so. well. I, I agree. And then the, the two Clemson kids as well who came in a little, little bit later in the week, Sean Pollard and Gabe Cervenka. I got to give the edge here to the West D-line, the interior defensive line. Yeah. I kind of think that group is maybe of all the position groups was the best this week in practice. It, it's, a, it's a shame you took this one number one because this was number one on my board yeah. as well. When you put that down, I was like, you know, it's like one of those things where I'm like, you know, felt really good. Like, clearly this is the matchup I want to see. You want to see these guys in, in game action. So yep. I, I think that 
by far would be the number one right there. So, right, well, what's your first one? So here? my first one, uh, we talked about him already for practice uh, player of the week awards, and Shaquille Quarterman uh, and Michael Pickney, Pickney the uh, yep. Hurricanes linebackers, uh, going against the West running backs. Because again, the question I want to see is how do these guys who are going to be thumpers on first and second down, and again, that's going to be a nice matchup to sure. see with the run game, but I want to see these guys in pass coverage, how they're able to work out in space. Because I think that, again, is a big question that we had about them going into the week. So I want to see how that translates here in the game on Saturday. So the East linebackers against the West running backs. Gotcha. The West running backs like uh, like Bellamy. Bellamy, who yep. I mentioned earlier, sure. yes, who didn't have a lot of catches last season at Western Michigan, but in 2018 had 30 receptions. So gotcha. someone who can work out in space. All right, so my next one, I went with the West wide receivers. I, I spent a lot of time watching wide receivers and corners this yes. week. Uh, so the West wide receivers, so we're talking – Jonathan Johnson from Missouri. Talked about him yesterday on the show. John Hightower from Boise State. Talked about him yesterday on the show. Nick Westbrook, our practice player of the week from Indiana. So uh, guys that have some speed, guys that have some size. There are a bunch of guys with size over on that West squad. You're talking, uh, you know, the the uh, uh, Juwan Johnsons and guys like that. I mean, those guys going up against the East cornerback group, Lavert Hill, Shorter. Some people question his speed, but instinctive, really technically sound on the line of scrimmage. Just a good football player, Lavert Hill. He played a lot of off coverage yeah. this week. He said for the first time since high school. I believe it because yeah. that, that's what they want to see. They want to see if he can be that guy. Mm-hmm. They've seen him so much in press. What can he do in off coverage? Yeah. Ben talked about that last week Is in the preview is they want to put these guys in situations where we haven't seen them yet. So that now there's some film of them doing these kinds of things. So I was glad that he played a lot of off yeah. uh, this week because I feel, feel like people know he can play up at the line of scrimmage. Uh, John Reed from Penn State. We talked about yep. him, a local kid, uh, Penn State, uh, St. Joe's Prep uh, High School. And John Reed can play inside. He can play outside. Neville Clark from UCF has stood out uh, really from start to finish this week. Bigger corner. Yeah. So you're talking about these guys at the corner about, back spot on the East squad going up against a good group of West receivers. It's a, it's a a really intriguing matchup. I lean towards the, the West receivers, but ultimately, I don't want to look. I think the East is going to win the game because of oh, the quarterback. Oh, yeah, I, know, right? I don't want to bury you know what? Because I feel like the East quarterbacks are just far superior. And I, I feel agree. like the East running backs are probably superior as well. And so when okay. I look at those backfields, I say, you know what? These games typically are won in the backfield. Quarterback, running back, I'm going to go with the East squad. So, so uh, we're jumping ahead a little bit here. I, I have the West wing this game largely because of the defensive line. I just don't, no think, I don't think there's going to be a ton of That's points scored in this game. I'm looking at probably like a 17-13, 21-13 type ball game. I do – my one question with the West is I do wonder how they're going to score points because yep. I do think – I completely agree. I think the East quarterbacks as a whole are better. So a lot of it's going to depend on when do certain guys get into the game. But sure. with that West defensive line, I feel like it's going to be very, very difficult to score again. So I kind of, you know, ruined the, the finish there. Well, I was, yeah, was going to bring right. it up. But, you know, my second matchup here, I talked about Dominic Wood Anderson from Tennessee. Yep. Uh, the West tight ends, uh, Ben Ellison from North Dakota State, I will lump him in his class as well. I thought he had some good practices. Uh, you liked him in the red zone work yes. uh, that they had at the end of the week there. Going against the East safety, so Jeremiah Dinson of Auburn, who made a, a couple week. plays. Yeah. had a good week. Shaheem Carter, Alabama, certainly a lot of experience here. Rodney Clemens from Southern Methodist, SMU yeah, good one. in the mix. So I actually was looking back real quick with Dominic Wood Anderson and – uh, he did play Alabama this season, only had two catches for nine yards. Yep. So we'll yeah, see how he, he can fare. Again, a lot of people like the route running ability he brought to the table. We'll see what he can do here, especially because I feel like that 
he's going to need these tight ends are going to be the safety valves for these quarterbacks in this game because even in even in the seven on sevens, the one thing that was frustrating me with the West team in the seven on sevens was I really wanted to just let with these receivers who sh- who look like they have some talent and some speed. Let the ball loose, right? Yep. Just let it rip and let them let them go after it. And you felt like it was checkdowns underneath stuff with the Titans. So I feel like they're going to have to be the safety valves in this game. Uh, keep an eye, Dominic Wood Anderson. It seemed like he left practice yesterday early with an injury. It seemed I didn't see it, but it, I saw him walking off. Okay. Like he was favoring his left arm or hand or something like that. So something, something, to, we'll watch. Keep an eye, something okay. to keep an eye on uh, for the matchup. All right, uh, my final one is going to be the East wide receiver. So uh, Mason Kinsey, the the small school kid from Berry College, Division Three, DeAndre. Overton had his first practice yesterday. The kid from Clemson caught everything and was outstanding in the red zone, went up and over people. He was really, really impressive uh, in his first day. I talked about Aaron Parker on our drive to the airport uh, yesterday. Uh, Aaron Parker is a guy that also was really consistent throughout the course of the week. Big-bodied kid who can also go up and win. Jamarcus Bradley flashed every day. The kid from Louisiana, Lafayette. Um, you know, I liked him a lot, smooth, too. Smooth, smooth. Really you know, he's, he's got some pretty good size, and he's a smooth mover. Uh, Joe Reed as well. Uh, Joe Reed, really good kick returner uh, throughout the course of his career. I think he okay. had five or six kick returns for touchdowns in his career. He's got some explosive bursts. He's lined up in the run, in the in the backfield as a back. He's moved into the slot. Does a lot of different things. He actually kind of reminds me in terms of his build of Josh Huff uh, when he was coming All out right. of Oregon. So a very similar kind of player. So you look at that group of East receivers, a number of interesting players, well-rounded skill sets against these West corners. And we talked about our two practice players of the week from the quarterback spot were Chris Williamson and Keith Washington. Both those guys over there, Jace Whitaker, I thought had a good week, a little bit undersized, but uh, a real scrappy player. Luke Barku, uh, Emery Hunt brought up yesterday as a guy yeah. that stood out to him. So uh, a good group of West corners going up against these East receivers. That that actually might be the most even matchup of all the ones I think we've broken down so far. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting juice. I I don't know if I'm gonna get to watch the game live, but I definitely am intrigued to see how the game yeah. turned out. It, it's I just don't you don't know what the exact level of the comp because it's is it gonna be like Pro Bowl esque where it's like all right guys are typically this game is in like the the twenties like the yeah. high teens twenties that's yeah. typically where this game's at. Um, my last battle here the West Edge Rushers I mentioned Derek Tuska from North Dakota State already Bryce Huff from Memphis flashed uh, so showed some juice off the edge. I, I do actually like the East Edge guys. You mentioned High Smith Kendall sure. Coleman from Syracuse. I think that's probably a better duo. Um, but from a matchup standpoint, again the West. Already going to win, I think, along the Is Lazarus Hamilton on the West? He's yes. the West. That's he's, another, West he's another too. guy to keep an eye on, for yeah, sure. he's another guy. He flashed this week. Um, so those those edge rushers against the likes of Charlie Heck of North Carolina, yep. Jake Benzinger, Wake Forest, uh, I think overall, I really think that's going to be a big advantage there for the West squad, D-line against O-line. So I know Across you, the board, that West D-line. Across the board, good, that D-line is very good. But um, just because I really like what Tuska showed throughout the course of the week, can that carry over? It's, it's You want to see, even though the game is not probably as important as yeah. the week of practice, but you still like to see some of these guys who put in so much work during a week of practice to get rewarded with a nice showing in front of the crowd down, down at Tropicana Field on Saturday. Oh uh, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be an interesting one. I'll be I'm hoping to be able to watch it Saturday three o'clock uh, on NFL Network. So I'll a lot of them kind of put a ribbon on the action from St. Petersburg. Now let's kind of turn the page a little Ooh. bit. Let's turn the page to what we're gonna see next week in Mobile, Alabama. It's time now for Mr. Relevant with our buddy Ben Fennel. It's time for Mr. Relevant.
All right, so now it's time to turn the page because we've spent the entire episode so far talking about Saturday's East-West Shrine Bowl. Obviously, C-Mac and I have been on the road for the last few days. Well, now we're going to welcome Ben Fennel back into the fold. And uh, Ben, first of all, welcome back to the show. We've done, like, we've done like, it's only been a week, but we've done like three or four episodes without you. And now it's time to turn our attention to next week's trip, and that's Mobile, Alabama. C-Mac and I will be on the road on Monday once again. We'll be down there Monday to Friday, so you can expect a podcast every single day of the week next week. And I thought, you know what? The preview episode that we did a week ago for this week's East-West Shrine Bowl, we got a lot of positive reaction to it, a lot of, a lot of positive feedback. So I thought, let's just do the same kind of format for the Senior Bowl, where Ben and I will kind of present a player that we're excited about. C-Mac, you kind of present another player, then we uh, we kind of talk through it. And that way we can give the listeners uh, some players to, to keep an eye on once we get down to Mobile next week. Um, I'll start a quarterback, and I'm going to go with the headliner mm-hmm. right now, because as of Thursday morning, Joe Burrow has not been announced one way or the other. As it gets closer and closer, I tend to think it's not going to happen. I have been on the opinion I felt like he was going to go the whole time, but... I guess you we'll did find out. Did here. I did. I, did. I felt like he would be a guy that would go, that would benefit him to go. He can go to since he works with the the Bengals coaching staff and uh, the team that would take him number one. Hey, you don't need to play in the game. Like, go down, spend the whole week down there, meet with them. You know, let them uh, poke and prod you. You can work with them during practice. Then you uh, you know, maybe take one series during the game. That's what Baker Mayfield did when he was the number one pick. Took yeah. one series, and then bowed out. Um, you know, I, that's kind of how I felt it would go with Joe Burrow, but. If he's not there, the headliner is going to be Justin Herbert, and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to work with Justin Herbert. Maybe he wins them over. You never know. Justin Herbert has all the tools. He's athletic. He's big. He's got a good arm. He's accurate on the move. Uh, The question that everyone's going to have is his poise, his command. So to me, when you go down there to to, to Mobile, if Joe Burrow's not there, and it's going to be Justin Herbert and another guy we're going to talk about, Jordan Love, uh, those guys are going to be going – um, you know, kind of uh, back and forth because one's going to be on one se- one team, one's going to be on the other. I think you look at Herbert and say, okay, can you take command of that quarterback room? Does the whole offense rally around you during practice? Are you leading the way? Are you the alpha dog? That's going to be what everybody is looking at as him, his body language, his poise, all that stuff will be on display during practice. Yeah, I kind of, I lean towards him going. I, I do too. And the only reason yeah. I would say he wouldn't go is just because this week has been exhausting for him. Sure. Um, but he's uber competitive, and I think any chance he gets to show himself against another quarterback, he wants to take that opportunity. I'd be shocked if he doesn't show up. Because like that, And since that's the narrative, that's what everybody thinks, to not live up to that right, would be a yeah. little bit of a disappointment. We said the same thing about Baker a couple of years ago. When and he showed he up kind of late too. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He actually showed up late. He like, like showed up yeah, late. Yeah, yes. yeah, he arrived halfway through the practice. He arrived halfway through and, practice. Yeah. He missed weigh-ins. It was yeah. a whole you know dog and bit pony of a show. distraction. Yeah, yes. in my in my opinion, no but. question. Um, all right, well, Ben, uh, give us uh, some quarterbacks you're excited to see here. Well, two guys really quick, I think, can really do themselves some favor this week with a lot of tools. Uh, two different kind of career trajectories. Okay, Shea Patterson. High recruit, Ole Miss, transferred to Michigan. A lot of tools, athleticism, makes a lot of throws outside of structure, can make throws outside the pocket. Yep. Just not a polished passer, holds onto the ball too long. But he's got tools, he's got a skill set. Agreed. A lot like the way Kyle Allen kind of emerged for the Carolina Panthers. Number one player out of high school, turbulent college career, also transferred. Yep. But he has tools, and he hung around in that quarterback room, had to start some games for him. And the other kid is Anthony Gordon. 
who one-year starter at Washington State, JUCO transfer, won a national championship with his uh, JUCO team, played behind Minshew last year. Yep. Different player than Minshew. Minshew is a shade over six feet tall, played more out of structure than most air raid quarterbacks with Mike Leach. Yeah. Gordon's bigger. He's every bit of 6'3", 215, in that prototypical air raid pocket passer. Mm. Very, very accurate. And I think he's going to look pretty good this week in shorts and a t-shirt thrown around to these uh, pretty impressive athletes on the outside. Interesting. I haven't done Gordon yet. Uh, I did Patterson a couple of weeks ago, and I agree he's got uh, a lot of tools to work with. And sure. I was at the uh, the Citrus Bowl against Alabama where I thought he did everything he needed to do to win that game. Yeah. He played really well against a good Alabama defense, just didn't get enough help on the outside from his receivers. They have a good run game, a lot of pro-style uh, type of turning your back to the, uh, the defense and play-action stuff. He's just a guy that his college career is just kind of turbulent and never really materialized the the results in in the wins and the numbers. I'll be working with a, a local team with the Detroit Lions, uh, coaching him with the North Squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, C-Mac, what player you got for us? I, I've been fascinated by Jordan Love. I yep. mean, he's been, mocked, he's been mocked to the first round of drafts throughout the entire college football season, a Utah State product. So what, what's the background story on him? How has he emerged as possibly, you know, the one or 1A quarterback in this draft class, potentially? So we watched Jordan Love back in the summer and the spring, and I was blown away. His sophomore film was just, I mean, it was outstanding. I mean, you talk arm talent, athleticism, uh, accuracy, both in the pocket and on the run. Uh, it goes back to kind of like Patrick Mahomes. You know, Patrick Mahomes, there were questions about his ability to play within the pocket, play within structure. Does he have that poise to be able to stand there and take a hit? I had those questions. I was down on, on Patrick Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech. What I was not down on with Patrick Mahomes was his ability. I mean, he could hit like the right wing of a fly 60 yards away, like without without blinking. Like he was ridiculous in terms of his arm talent. Uh, and that has shown up. Jordan Love has been maybe the best since Mahomes. And that was only a couple of years ago. But in terms of his overall arm talent, he was really productive a year ago. He lost his whole coaching staff. He lost his whole supporting staff. Uh, the top three receivers, I think it was the top two backs, his tight end, four-fifths of his O-line. Like everybody was gone. Everybody graduated. So Coming into this year, the big story was how is he going to respond? Change of, not change of scenery, but everything else around him changed. And it was right. It was late season. He had more interceptions than touchdowns. Um, now part of that is on the the everything else changing around him. But the tools are there, man. I mean, you watch him on film, and there are some. He's really, really talented. It, this is not a Christian Hackenberg. Always oh, you know, big kid that can throw it a mile. Like there are, there's a lot to work with Jordan Love. To me, he's one of the most intriguing players in this class. And those skilled players around him that left this year weren't exactly NFL caliber to begin with. We were talking around Quavian Tarver and like— And I had a talk last night with a a draft analyst, and I would challenge you guys to go put on the Utah State-LSU game. He played Joe Burrow. Yes. And in the national championship, it stood out as well. Watch Joe Burrow and stop the tape right before he's about to throw the ball. And just look at the positioning of the receiver in the corner. Those receivers made so many plays for Joe Burrow. And I'm not going to say they bailed him out or anything of like course. that. It's a complimentative position. But the attacking of the football, the confidence, the alpha dog mentality of Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, there's some instances where the corner's perfectly in position and all of, a, all of a sudden the receiver's coming downhill, fighting for the ball, clears the corner and makes the catch or it gets broken up. But the confidence that Joe Burrow has that his receivers are going to make plays for him mm. – 
that was the major difference with Jordan Love. He didn't have any help on the outside. He, had, he didn't have any alpha mentality receivers to go make plays for him, to yep. attack the ball confidently. And it's a complimentative position. And I think this week, with a little better, better talent around him at the Senior Bowl, it's going to be interesting to see what it's going to look like potentially on Sundays with uh, more speed and confident receivers on, on the perimeter. Now, there was an off-field issue before the bowl game. Mm-hmm. If there was a, I, if it was a, uh, I forget if it was an alcohol or some kind of a drug offense or something. Marijuana right before, arrest, Okay, yeah. so it was a marijuana arrest right before the bowl game. Got to work through that. If the, the off-field has to, everything, that's what the case with every quarterback, everything off-field, if everything off-field checks on-field, talent alone, this guy is... You would I, you would say he's a top quarterback in this draft. Like you would say, his tools are better than Joe Burrow's. Like I don't think that I'm, I'm not out of school saying that. But. I think his tape last year against Michigan State's one of the best prospect tapes I've seen probably in five years. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Joe Burrow's had some pretty contending tapes <laughs> yeah. so far right. and recently, but yes. uh, his ability to make the deep and intermediate window throws yep. that you see every Sunday in the NFL, you just don't see on Saturdays. Yep. Uh, with NFL style concepts, the anticipation, the arm strength, the uh, kind of layering of throws as well. Very, very impressive tape against a good opponent last year. All right, let's move along to running back. And to me, uh, a guy that really stood out to me, again, going back to 2018, was Eno Benjamin, the running back uh, from Arizona State. Like Jordan Love, he is a junior who graduated in December, so he is eligible for this game. Uh, Benjamin, there's just a lot of Kareem Hunt to the way that he plays. He can make people miss. Very good contact balance. Great contact balance, I would say. I like his vision. Smooth receiver. He's not an explosive athlete. He's not going to be a guy that's going to blow up the combine. But I really liked his tape going back to his sophomore season. Uh, a really, really good player that I'm excited to see in person. This TCU team keeps pumping out the same type of running back right. each year. Yep. I liked Aaron Green a couple years Remember, ago. Yep. A couple silly runs, you know, a shifty small back. Remember Kyle Hicks? Kyle Hicks is a good one. Nice yeah. player. Yep. And then you have Darius Anderson, similar type of player. I think F- this guy's better than those 5'11", two, under 210, shifty, dynamic, explosive. He showed up on the freak list for jumping 42 yep. inches and running a 439. Yep. I didn't see that level of explosiveness no. on tape. But this kid's a home run, home run hitter. Yep. And I don't know who to compare him to. Kind of like a Gio Bernard, potentially. Okay, okay. Um, I'm really struggling to figure out who he reminds me of. Maybe Jonathan Franklin out of UCLA. Out of UCLA, yeah. But Franklin ran 4-6. Right. So if he runs in 4-4, four, four, I could see him going on an early day three, especially with this group of uh, a running back class. But really interesting player, kind of a uh, complimentative running back with that other big back in TCU's backfield. Yeah, I, I like Darius Anderson. I, I comped him actually to, to Chase Edmonds uh, when he was coming out of Florida. I made mm-hmm. some plays this year for Arizona uh, before getting or is hurt. Is that the Chase Edmonds out of uh, Fordham? Fordham. 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 Yeah, what did yeah. I say? I thought I said Florida. Oh, yeah, yeah. I meant Fordham. Yeah. Yes, out of Fordham. Um, no, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Darius Anderson. Excited to see him next week as yeah. well. It's funny you mentioned a school like TCU. TCU pump out running backs. Last year's draft had two players coming out of Memphis and Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard. Well, they have another player in Antonio Gibson. Mm-hmm. So naturally, I'm just interested to see what is it about Gibson's game and how does he compare stylistically to the two guys who came out a year ago? Well, you, you saw him live. I watched him for the first time this week. Uh, I'll let you go first. You saw him live. Well, he's a really interesting body because he's he's big. He looks like a receiver. He's like 6'1", 220. Played mostly in the slot. Right. Yeah. And he has that Jalen Hurd, Cordell Patterson type of vibe yep. to him where he's more of a gadgety receiver playing in the backfield. 
but they're not just end arounds and perimeter runs. He's running up between the tackles, zone yep. runs. Uh, I think he's one of four players that have 500 receiving yards, 300 rushing yards. Something I love tracking to see guys that dual things in dual threat. Who did it last year? Tony Pollard. Mm. Uh, so Memphis, Mike Norvell, pretty exciting to go to Florida State and maybe get some more speed uh, at running back to work in a dual threat. But uh, really interesting player, dynamic player. But he's a guy that you're going to have to have a little creativity and a little vision uh, to use in the NFL. So he averaged over 18 yards a catch, over 11 yards a carry. So this was a big play guy, over 15 yards per offensive touch uh, yeah. for this kid. And I think when you look at Gibson, most of his reps came in the slot, and they also had him worked into like a, a split back backfield. That was the package for him uh, as a ball carrier. Ben's right; they would run uh, some of those gap schemes inside, and you know you'd see him get downhill. He's pretty. I mean, he's over 220 pounds. What I liked about him, you never saw him in pass protection, but seeing him in the run game as, as a slot receiver, he was getting after people. So so I'm excited to see him as a blocker. How is he going to do in pass protection? He's never had to block an A-gap blitzer or a free defensive end uh, off the edge. Um, but this is a kid that's got an interesting skill set. Uh, I just We've just never really seen him in a traditional running back role. He's not as big as Cordero Patterson. He's not as upright as Jalen Hurd. Right. But when you look at Debo Samuel yeah. and what he did that, at South Carolina no yeah, and I how the 49ers it. are using Love him. It. Yep. That's a perfect type of vision to how you can see an Antonio Gibson used on Sundays. And Debo was a stud last year at the Senior Bowl. No so question. Very fitting. But Debo also had that stigma that he's not really a true receiver. Right. He doesn't run a full route tree. He's not always lined outside the numbers. That's Gibson. Mm. And I think it's okay. Um, and it's interesting that he's listed as a running back. And yep. I know Jim Nagy last year was that close to putting Tony Pollard in the receiver group. Right. Yep. So mm -hmm. those Memphis players and your ability to contribute in both phases really gives you some more versatility among scouts and what you can do. We saw the other Memphis running back this week at the Shrine Bowl and Patrick Taylor. Right. They've got you've talked about the young kid Kenny Gainwell down there yeah. in Memphis. So they're they're gonna continue. Yeah, another speedy kid on the outside, yeah. uh Demonte Coxie. Coxie, yeah. Yep. No, they've got they've got guys. Yeah, uh, no for question. Sure. All right. So I'm glad you guys brought up Debo Samuel because uh C Mac, I believe he was our practice player of the week he was. overall down there and he was their there is as well. Of the week. Yes. Um, Clearly he was outstanding. A guy that year. I think fits a similar kind of mold is a similar body type, similar kind of skill set in terms of what he does really, really well, is Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. And this is a guy who's only been a one-year starter, a junior college transfer, kind of a thick lower half. He's really he's an explosive athlete, great after the catch. He's made some outstanding plays with the ball in his hands uh, over the course of his senior season. I'm really excited to see Brandon Ayuk in person down in Mobile because there are some people that think he could be a first-round pick when it's all said and done and could sneak into the back end of round one. We've heard all about these junior junior receivers, the Judys and the, the C.D. Lambs and the Henry Ruggs and Jalen Riegers and LaVisca Chenault. Ayuk could sneak into the first round with that group of juniors, which would be really, really impressive. And he was stuck behind Akil Harry last yep. year and Kyle Williams, some veteran receivers, comes in this year and has to play immediately with the true freshman. Yep, that's right. Exciting young player, but a little bit of a learning curve earlier in the year. I just watched a lot of his tape last week. There were some throws all over the place. Right. Uh, so he's a guy that might actually have better production once he gets on the field on Sundays. I agree. And then another guy we've talked about a lot uh, on this podcast is Devin Duvernay from Texas, who kind of cut from similar cloth. When you gave the Debo kind of precursor, I yeah. thought you were going to spin this to Duvernay, who does a lot of his work yes. in the slot, yep. kind of a thicker receiver, deceptive speed. Yep. I thought he was a four five five player on tape, and everybody let me know immediately of his high school <laughs> prowess in uh, sprinting. Yep. And he was—I don't know if he was a state champion, the two hundred meters or something yep. like that. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, another guy kind of cut from the same cloth as Ayuk, where you know, kind of a thick lower half, explosive athlete—not necessarily explosive, but great long speed. 
really good after the catch, has worked inside and outside. Both these guys, uh, I'm excited to see in person. They've got big playability, especially with the ball in their hands. Yeah, a couple guys I'm excited to watch this week. Juwan Jennings, big former dual-threat quarterback in high school, uh, kind of a red zone presence. He's a mm-hmm. catch-point guy above the rim, strong hands, loves the block, kind of a Brandon Marshall guy with the ball in his hands. Uh, and this James Proch kid at a SMU, yeah. Southern Methodist, really interesting. I have a tough time not comparing him to Sterling Shepard. Mm. Uh, there's a couple guys in this class that are like that. No question. He's smaller. He's a slot receiver body, but he plays all over the field. He could win inside, win outside, just like Sterling Shepard did. Was uh, very productive this year for SMU. Yes, just like Taewon Taylor. Uh, yep. at Western Kentucky. Uh, and then obviously K.J. Hill, Ohio State. He runs his routes like a basketball player. He's a top basketball recruit. You just see those kind of crossover moves at the stop at the top of his route t- uh, stems. Productive player. Tons of big plays in that Ohio State offense. I wrote down Sterling Shepard for K.J. Hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good a one similar there. kind of player. Yeah, I wrote Stefan Diggs. There so, you go. Yeah. Yep. It's funny with Ben, he can't limit it to like one or two. It's like he's got to sneak like well, I let you guys pick guy. first, so I grabbed all those extra that's ones. Good. That's yeah, good. That's good. Now, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame, first receiver I was intrigued by because he was more of a tight end mm-hmm. the way he was utilized at Notre Dame. Yep. He was the security blanket for Ian Book there. Big-bodied kid, good blocker, known for special teams as well. So I think when you look at Claypool, uh, he'll be seen as a guy that – could be safe as a fifth or fourth receiver. Like you feel like, okay, I know that he can come in and do some of those dirty work types of things at the wide receiver position. Man, it's a deep receiver group. It is. I'd slide over to the tight end group if I were him. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong about that. Suddenly you're tight end three. You don't want to be receiver 12. Right. You know, just the pecking order and kind of the stigma of the position. Sure. But he's he's that close to being a tight end. Now the second guy, uh, Liberty. Heard you guys talk about him throughout the season on the during Draft podcast here, driven by AAA, Antonio Gandy Golden. Yeah, this, so this is a, a big boy too, but this guy moves pretty well. He moves better uh, than Chase Claypool. And you, know, you watch this kid, he can work vertically. He was one of the better big play threats in all college football. Yep. I'm sure you've got for uh, several, kind of a for several years yeah, too. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a big play threat. He's not going to run 4-3, but he's got he's a long strider who can eat up ground and get on top of people and obviously can go up and win as well. So uh, I look at Gandy Golden. Who's the, the Detroit kid that you made, they made the comparison? Kenny Galladay, yeah. Kenny Galladay was a third-round pick coming out of Northern Illinois. I think there's, I think there's a, a lot of similarities. Every there. year there's some smaller school players, for lack of better words. Liberty played some good footballs, they pumped did. out some good yep. players. This isn't some, oh, it's cute, high production, small school, the competition, he's really not an NFL player. This kid is legit. Yeah. And this is going to be his coming out party at the Senior Bowl, and he knows it. Mm-hmm. And I bet he's going to stand out, and he would be my vote for Player of the Week. Ooh, wow. Yeah. I like it. All right, well, let's go over to tight end because uh, Chase Claypool's not on this list. Uh, there are a couple guys that we both uh, are interested in for sure, Ben. I, one of those guys is Harrison Bryant, who won the John Mackey Award as the tight end of the year in college football. Really athletic, basically a big slot receiver for them in that offense. But when you watched him as a blocker, he did show the aggressiveness, the competitiveness to get after guys in the slot. So uh, I know Lance Zerline, our friend from NFL Network, he had brought him up on the show a couple of weeks ago. We've talked with a couple of people over the course of the season about Harrison Bryant. Athletic kid, a lot of Evan Ingram type of qualities, you know, in terms of his athleticism, his size. Is he a three-down player? Can he be a guy that you can play on rundowns? That'll be the question. Hopefully, he'll try and answer this week. 
Yeah, I'm just excited to see who uh, Lane Kiffin's going to make the next Harrison Bryan over at Ole Miss now. Um, that SEC West, and we, we haven't even talked about that no yet. No question, so. but I'm going to go with this kid, Adam Trotman, out of Dayton. I love it. Uh, who's built a lot of steam kind of on social media this past year. Uh, good size, 6'4", just under 260. Reminds me of a Tony Scheffler, the way Mark Andrews played Oklahoma. Yep. He can play in the slot, but he can also play in the wing, that kind of hip position as well. And the system they run there is very pro style. A lot of under center, a lot of play action boot, split zone stuff, slip routes, three-level stretches, pop passes, all that stuff you see on play action on Sundays. But anytime you see a player giving shots early in a game, mm. you know what the team thinks of him. Yep. And early in games, he gets featured in the offense, double moves, shot plays, wheels, wide throwbacks. He's a big play threat. He's a gadget player. He's got good athleticism. In a year with no real dynamic tight ends, he can make himself some money with the senior bowl, the combine. And I've already put him down to be one of my, what I call process guys. Mm takes advantage of the process. And he's going to have a good senior bowl week. He's going to interview well. He's going to check combine. Yep. He's going to check all the boxes and take advantage of the process. I, I want to keep the small school theme going. Go to Portland State with Charlie Tomopea. Yeah. So uh, we watched him. He was initially announced for the Shrine Bowl, and so we watched him. Um, you know, over it was early in the fall. He's a he's a guy that I think can check boxes for you in that he can do a little bit of everything. What I want to see from him next week is. Is he top end in one area? Is he more athletic? Is he uh, a, a good blocker? You know, is, are his hands and his ball skills and his route running? Can he separate himself there? Like that's what I want to see personally from uh, Charlie Tomapeo uh, in this game. Is you know, can he go down here against the Harrison Bryants and the Adam Troutmans, the other guys that are going to be in attendance and kind of separate himself in any one way, shape, or form? Ben, any thoughts uh, on Charlie T? No, I haven't gotten to his tape yet. Uh, his name scares me. I haven't wanted to pronounce it, so he'll probably be one of the last guys I get to. All right, well, let's go to an easy name then, and a guy that, Ben, you and I watched together when he first was announced for the Senior Bowl. Offensive line, we're going to go, we're going to pick two names each here. Oh, you got the easy names Josh here. Jones, to <laughs> me, is one of the biggest sleepers right now that not enough people are talking about. We, You and I watched him together after it was first announced and said, this guy could be a first-round pick, and no one had him as a first-round pick at that point. Um, and since then, we're starting to see a little bit more buzz for him. You know, Dane Brugler has jumped on, and he think he knows that this guy is a, that could, certainly could be in play. Mm. We saw a lot of offensive linemen go down to Mobile last year and see their stocks rise. Andre Dillard, yeah. uh, you go to um, the kid from Alabama State, who Titus Howard. Howard yeah. uh, you go to the Washington kid. You go to the Boston College kid, Chris Lindstrom. There were like four or five or six guys that went down there as, all right, day two, solid players, good football players. Then we watch them in person, and it's like, whoa, like, all right, this guy is legit. He, this is going to be a first-round pick. Josh Jones is my guy in this class that I think has that ability. It's not talked about that much, but there's a bit of an offensive line epidemic in the NFL. No question. Absolutely. Teams are struggling to put together depth in the offensive line. They don't get as much time to work on the kids, develop the kids. And you look at some of the contending teams this year – Packers had to start a backup right tackle last Sunday. The 49ers played two backup tackles most of the most season. Of the season yeah. Justin School, Daniel Brunskill. Uh, and when you listen to the Journey to Draft podcast, we talked about Andre Dillard all last year. Yep. His trajectory ended up being a first-round pick. There's two players that I've heard are going to jump into the first round. Josh Jones is one of them. Okay. Makai Becton from Louisville, Louisville will be the other one. Okay. And teams need tackles. Teams need pass protectors. And these are some names that I think are going to jump up into the first round uh, oh. and, and get taken because there's just a, they're lacking depth 
in the offensive line rooms. Of the guys that we've discussed from last year, Titus Howard is the one that seems most like, like in terms of body type yeah. and skill set to Josh Jones. And he went, again, in the first round out of Alabama State. This kid has been a four-year starter at Houston. Yeah, it's, it's AAC, but they still have played good, play, good teams, and you, there's plenty of good tape out there on Josh Jones. Good opportunity for him down in Mobile. My second one is going to be Nick Harris, a guy that I love watching this kid on film. I love his play personality. He's really violent. He excels at getting up to the second level. He's a really good athlete. Um, the question I have is his length. You know, because we've seen a number of guys, and I go back to these two Ohio State kids. Pat Elfline was a second-round pick out of Ohio State to the Minnesota Vikings. Billy Price, a first-round pick out of Ohio State to the Cincinnati Bengals. Both guys, the question was, Ah, their arm length, it's under 32 inches. You know, can they, uh, uh, you know, take the battles? Can they take the fight to defensive linemen? Are they going to keep guys from getting inside their chest? Both guys have had issues in that area. Nick Harris has that same kind of body type. A little, that's the only thing that gives me pause. But outside of that, I really like this kid on film. He's a longtime starter at center. Uh, he's got a little bit of guard versatility as well. There's a lot to like with Nick Harris. Yeah, he made a lot of money uh, picking off linebackers on the second level this past year. <laughs> really, really good in space. Uh, two guys I think are really, Really intriguing tackles. I think they're both day three players, but they have some intriguing traits for different reasons. Hakeem Adeniji, uh, University of Kansas, yep. massive player, Big long kid. wingspan, pretty good initial quickness, good feet for his size. He's going to look good this week, and he's going to have some pretty long... Uh, pass rushers to challenge them as well. The Big 12 really didn't have that group of pass rushers you want to see uh, challenge the tackle. So I think he can make himself some money. The other guy is Clemson right tackle Tremaine Ankrum, mm. who doesn't look like a tackle. He's 6'2". He's a little squatty. He yep. looks like Marshall Newhouse. He looks like Charles Leno. But he's gotten the job done every week at the University of Clemson. Obviously, uh, you know, the contending team, tons of wins, national championship last year. I'm going to let him feast or famine on the outside first. Yep, I agree. Uh, and I think this week will be a big kind of test to see how he handles some of the longer players. I think both those guys have a chance to go into day two with good weeks down there in Mobile. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'm interested to see both guys as well. I, I like Adenogy from what I saw, and, I, and I've talked a lot about uh, Ankrum on this podcast. I think he's, he's a good player. When I looked at the list of linemen, the first name that jumped out, just because you guys have been on him since last year, Trey Adams yeah. out of Washington as a has the tools to be a first-round pick, and it's just a matter of does the tape match the tool set that he does have? The big thing will be in a few weeks in Indianapolis, the medical check. It's that That's going to be the biggest thing for Trey Adams because uh, missed most of last year with the back injury, left their previous season with the ACL the year before. So uh, this is a guy with a long resume uh, of missed games. But you're talking about a big kid. He's got relatively light feet for his size. Uh, I'm excited to see him in person and just see how he looks. But uh, certainly the skill set to be able to, to do some damage at left tackle. And the other player I picked out, Auburn's Prince Tega Winogo, yeah. who you said, mm. Fran, is actually of royalty. Like, he is. It's a legit prince. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I just know, I know that there's something there. I haven't dove, uh, dived quite as deep into it uh, as I probably should, but uh, no, there's there's something there. But this kid, he's really athletic. He's uh, He's got really light feet. Again, the, the lack of length will be a little bit concerning. He is a little bit shorter as well, so he might be a guard when it's all said and done, but really athletic kid. He's just he's just raw with his hands. I think we've talked about the, the difference between him and Jack Driscoll, who we just saw at the East-West Shrine Bowl. Mm -hmm. 
uh, Driscoll was very technically sound, um, just a little bit smaller. He's a, you know he's he's not the, the ideal body type, and his feet aren't as quick. This guy's got a lot of tools to work with in his body. It's just about kind of getting him up to snuff from a technical standpoint. But a very very intriguing high upside prospect. Um, all right, let's go over to the defensive side now. I'm going to go with guys off the edge. Uh, my first one, my first defensive lineman is going to be Darrell Taylor from Tennessee, uh, a guy that I think I'm a little bit higher on than most, um, a well-rounded player that I think can play uh, not just uh, at the point of attack in the run game, but can drop in coverage a little bit as a Sam linebacker. And then also his pass rush upside is legit. You know, I, there are a lot of times in that scheme where, you know, he's reading the offensive lineman across from him as opposed mm-hmm. to just kind of, you know, pinning his ears back and going off the snap of the football. When On those straight passing downs where – he could just, you know, go as a, you know, like our freaking race car off the off the track. This guy is really, really explosive to get upfield, turn the corner. Uh, I thought he showed a lot of tools uh, to be able to you know, get after the quarterback at a high level. Kind of a, a poor man's Josh Allen from last year in terms of his, uh, you know, his background. Former high school receiver, well-rounded player that just hadn't put it all together coming into his senior <coughs> year. Uh, Darrell Taylor didn't quite have that production, and that's why he's not going to go that high. But Darrell Taylor's a guy that really intrigues me. I'm excited to see him next week. Two guys I'm really excited to watch. Uh, Bradley and I, University of Utah, power rusher, physical, violent, uh, good hand usage, not a twitchy edge rusher, not a guy that's going to just win off high side rushes all the time. Doesn't really scare tackles with the speed. He kind of reminds me of Calvin Pace, Everson Griffin, Nick Perry, those heavy edge rushers that win with power, violence, physicality. And then Josh Uchi. Yeah. I don't know where you're going to play him in the NFL, yep. but senior bowl week, he's going to look good in one-on-ones because he's kind of an awkward, undersized edge rusher. He's like Elvis Doomerville, Jannard Avery. He's that chess piece. You want to move around in sub packages. Where you play him on early downs, I have no idea. Yep. But this is a week in kind of shorts and t-shirt, one-on-ones, just pass rush. He's going to look really good. And he's going to be intriguing. Now, the player I picked, I, I know you've seen him a couple of times, Jonathan Greener. Yes. Uh, yeah. Florida, uh, transfer from Louisville was a team captain for Louisville, yep. suffered an injury, I think, in the first week of the season, so pretty much missed all of 2008. I think it was a thumb injury. It was, it was a, wrist. Wrist. It was a wrist. It was okay. a wrist Got injury. Um, how, is he, how did he fare in his season with uh, the Gators? Well, complete opposite of Bradley and I. This is a guy that wants to get the edge on yep. tackles and win with high side, win with speed. He's got some darting inside moves. I think we watched them together. Yeah, did, did we did. have a bit of a Robert Quinn uh, yes. vibe to him? That was yeah. kind of that's kind of he's not a guy that uh, uses his hands great at this point in terms of being able to win high side, and that's kind of when you look at Robert Quinn uh, playing for Dallas. He just wants to run by you. That's where Jonathan Grenard is. Is he's he just wants to sprint by the offensive tackle and win high side, um, but. He's got those tools to be able to do it. And so even if, even though you say, oh, so is he a one-trick pony? If that one trick's good, that one trick can work. And, I, and he's shown that ability. I promise you he's going to have a couple reps this week where a tackle is just going to be a little late. Yep. He's going to straight run around him yep. on a speed rush. I promise you there'll be a couple clips going around Twitter of him just smoking tackles. Doesn't necessarily mean he's some prodigy pass rusher, but the fact that he wins with that first step, the speed, the get-off, Sometimes you see some clunky reps there in one-on-ones with snap counts and cadences of tackles trying to get out. All right, so let's go uh, to now the interior defensive line. The defensive tackle for me that I think has the most upside of any defensive tackle in this class. Now, Derek Brown from Auburn is not going to the game. He said, you know, I put enough on college film, I'm not going to go, which is fine. Gallimore, Neville Gallimore to me from Oklahoma – 
I think has a little bit more upside than Derek Brown, who I think is a great player uh, and certainly is going to be able to play in the NFL. I look at Gallimore. He's strong. He's explosive. He can be a disruptor up front. Wasn't always unleashed in that scheme. I think if you say, okay, this guy is going to move from nose tackle, slide him out and be a three technique, he's got that disruptive potential to be able to win quickly. And I don't know that some of these other guys that we'll talk about, uh, especially in this senior class, the Derek Browns, the Kinlaws, the uh, Raekwon Davises, don't necessarily have that ability to win, boom, right at the snap. He's got that ability to win quick, and I think that's what separates great players from elite players, good players from great players. He's got that win-quick ability. That's kind of what uh, Taven Bryan held his hat on right. coming out of the University of Florida, that ability to disrupt immediately into gaps, first-step quickness, disruptor, penetrator. Uh, Gallimore just left a little bit to be desired as far as finishing the plays. Right. But disrupting and blowing up the plays, he would do it. A guy I'm going to kind of throw a curveball here is Jason Strobridge. Mm. Played D-tackle at North Carolina. Yep. Everybody said he was played out of position. He's listed as an edge this week. Okay. He's 6'4", 260. I think he's going to play inside-outside at the next level. Yep. And when you look at those type of inside-outside players, the Malik McDowell coming out of Michigan State, Robert Kimdichie, Rasheem Green out of USC, inside-outside yep. for the Seahawks. Really long player, can play at an angle, can play off contact. He's loose, he's athletic, he's flexible. I think someone's going to get a really good, interesting uh, – I'm calling him a trench player, but I think he could play up and down the line. He's a fun player to watch. No question, a really high yeah. motor kid. Yep. We got uh, C-Mac. And uh, my guy here, uh, you mentioned real briefly, Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. Juco transfer, very long yes. for an interior player. I mean, he is built like a—I just took my son to the zoo for the first time last Saturday. <laughs> he is built like a silverback gorilla, man. Like, he's got long, muscular arms. He's got a thick bubble. Like, he is just— in person, like on the hoof, like this kid is impressive. I, you've seen him in live a couple of times. Yeah, I think like, he was one of my off the bus guys, just because he's yeah. got long legs, a long torso. He's yep. not a fat guy. He's got a good kind of build in his lower half. Uh, he's down weight. I think he's down about twenty or thirty pounds this year. Yeah, took care of a hip issue over the yep. summer. He's playing faster, making more plays out to the numbers, chasing the ball better this year. He's another guy that I think is going to disrupt some plays uh, at the line of scrimmage. Yep, I think you lost some of that. Uh, you know, we saw that ability to hold up at the point of attack in the run game really, really well last year. I think he lost a little bit of that with the sh when he shed the weight this year, but now he's a little bit more disruptive in the past game. So he, there's a little bit of, you know, of give and take there. But uh, Kinlaw is going to be impressive. He's got the ability to be the best player down there Does as well. Does he remind you of anybody in the NFL? Man, Can I he turn into a... A Fletcher Cox type of player, a Chris Jones See, player. Like, I don't think he's like that naturally explosive an athlete as Fletcher. Like Fletcher's, mm -hmm. Fletcher's crazy athletic. I don't know that Kinlaw is that guy. There are plenty of flashes, but I just don't know. I haven't seen that. I want to know if Kinlaw yet. can get upfield in the NFL. Who's can, the second guy you said? Chris uh, Jones. Chris Jones. Jones. Yeah, like I don't know if he's that either. Like. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I, I'm going off of like how I saw him, especially coming into the year where he was just so stout and, and powerful and heavy handed. And now he's now that he's shed the weight, he is a little bit more loose. He is a little bit more explosive. But, man, I'm, I'm excited to see him in person, just see, especially ra ranking him against guys like Gallimore and Davis and Strobridge, Laurel Murchison from the NC State. It's a good D tackle group. Yeah, so it's going to be an impressive group there. just to see him close up. No yeah. question. All right, let's move to linebacker. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that I've been on since the summer, uh, and that's Francis Bernard from Utah. Uh, this is a guy that was a backup last year for Utah. He transferred from BYU, where he did start a little bit uh, out there for BYU. But when you look at Bernard, I saw a guy that had three-down potential watching him as a junior. He stepped in this year, was a pure three-down player, made plays run game, pass game, high motor, physical, violent, instinctive. 
I I mean I can't wait to see him in live. It's 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 a really it's an interesting group of linebackers going down there. And and to me, Francis Bernard uh, was one of my biggest sleepers coming into the year. Lived up to that this year. Was not on the Senior Bowl watch list coming into the season. Now he's going down there to Mobile, and he's gonna he's gonna show his stuff there this week. He's the, a, a really impressive. These types player. of players are so much fun in this process. The one year players. Yep. You got to take that one year and go back yeah. and figure out why the transfer shows up to Utah. Why isn't he playing? Well, they have Cody Barton and Chase Hansen, yep. veteran senior linebackers, and he. He's got to pay his dues. Yep. And that's why he didn't get on the field. He did in slight time, end of games, where you noticed Correct. him. He said, who's this kid running around and just blasting ball I don't carriers? even know how he ended up on my list, but he was on my list. And I was like, all right, I'm watching the Utah front seven. I'll watch this Francis Bernard. And the more I watched, I was like, this kid's good. Like, no one's talking about right. this guy. Um, but a player I saw in the linebacker group, which was kind of puzzling, was Terrell Lewis. Mm. Alabama edge rusher coming off the 2018 torn ACL. Um, wiry edge rusher. Kind of looks like a Brian Burns, but mm. listed as an off-the-ball linebacker in this group. That could be an outside linebacker based on the scheme the three, and, what, four, yeah. and what team he's in. Um, but a player that I thought would be through and through edge player yep. uh, at the next level, as opposed to a Josh Uchi, right? who... 6'1", 255, you almost think right off the bat, linebacker, go go play off ball, go be Hassan Reddick, go convert because you're too short to play off the edge. Um, but Terrell Lewis, let's see what you can do there. If you if you truly are going to go play a Mike or a Will for, uh, for an off ball team. Terrell Lewis could be one of the big winners of the week. Yeah. He could be a guy that we're all saying, like, yep, lock first rounder this time a week from now. He's big. He's long. I don't yeah. know how he's going to look at the second level. He's almost like a, uh, a Ray Ray Armstrong. Yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, for sure. C-Mac, what do you got? So I wanted to learn more about Malik Harrison. Mm. Ohio State yep. was a high school quarterback. Uh, interesting backstory on him is that because he's from Ohio, he actually visits his alma mater every Friday or visit every Friday before games. Interesting. It would talk to the That's players, cool. chop it up with with his head coach, and you know make sure to uh, like pay it back, so mm. to speak. Oh, so. That's great. Yeah, big kid, physical. Um, I, I thought he had sideline to sideline ability watching him as a junior. Uh, maybe not quite as explosive as maybe I thought in the summer, but uh, this is a guy I think I think he's got uh, he's got enough athleticism to be a three down player. I don't know what to make of these. These linebackers are getting so different now. Right. You have these groups that are 245, 250, Kenneth Murray, Malik Harrison. Then I just got done watching the uh, the App State kid. Right, it was 212, 215. Exactly. Like or uh, Michael Walker at right. Fresno State, right. 225. Yep. And they're playing the same position in completely different packages, yep. which is kind of fun. And it makes it really tough because you have to project what you're asking them to do, the skill set, the scheme at the next level. Uh, it's just cool that they come in different shapes and sizes. Is so, it like tight end where it's like you have your traditional old school can line up along the, the formation As that block position has and, developed into a hybrid, yeah. the people guarding them are also then turning mm -hmm. into hybrids. The safety linebacker types, yep. the end linebacker types. That's just the nature of the position. The whole term tweener is out the door now. Now we're all hybrids and you have to be able to have different personnel for different situations and different matchups. Malik Harrison reminded me a little bit of uh, Van Der Esch. I can see that. Heavy yeah. linebacker, yep. gets down into gaps and can really control offensive linemen with his size being 245. Oh. A guy that you want coming downhill more than uh, turning or running. All right, let's go to the cornerback spot. And Ben, we talked a lot uh, early this fall about how really talented this senior group of corners were. Uh, it looks like a couple of these guys have pulled out due to injury. So we've seen some replacement mm -hmm. players step in. One guy that I'm still really excited about, though, is Jeff Gladney from TCU. You talked about his teammate Darius Anderson earlier. Uh, I, talk, I look at Jeff Gladney. This kid is hyper-competitive. 
aggressive. He's small, but he's really quick. He's twitchy. He's instinctive. He's, I like his ball skills. Like I, ch- You check a lot of boxes with Gladney. It's the size that will give some people some pause. But uh, I, I like this kid a lot. I'm excited to see him in person up close. But uh, a really fun player to study on film. Well, we're calling stuff out. I'm just going to call out one more thing this week. I gave a potential for a player of the week, a couple okay. good pass rushes from Jonathan Grenard. I know, I know. He takes one week off from the podcast, and all of a sudden it's like. <laughs> Jeff Gladney will get separated from a receiver at least three times. Okay. Meaning they're going to scrap after yep. the play and have to get oh, separated. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, he yeah. is feisty. He's yep. competitive. He loves to mix it up. He's been separated a number of times this past year, yep. um, which you kind of like to see. I like the scrappiness from corners. Right, it's an alpha track. dog position. You yep. have to kind of be ready to fight yep. against these big gazelle receivers. Uh, and they're going to they're gonna be up to the task, so it's going to be fun to see. Uh, two corners I really like. Assange Bossy, small yep. corner out of Wake Forest, off-coverage guy, corners, yeah. uh, quarters player. He's probably going to have to play nickel, but my concern there, he's small. He doesn't tackle particularly well. Reminds me a little bit of the way DJ Reed played at Kansas State. Okay. Uh, carved out a nice kind of role-playing career for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, so we'll see how he looks in some press coverage. And this is the opportunity for the Senior Bowl to maybe show some things you weren't asked to do yeah. at your college. Uh, and then another late ad was this. Help me out with the name Michael Ojemudia from, from Iowa. Ojemudia, yeah. And he's listed as a former high school linebacker. Right. Which is kind of interesting to then go play corner at the next level. So that immediately tells you, <laughs> tough kid. Uh, he's a kid that's not afraid to come up and tackle. But typical Iowa defensive back corner, a lot of half turn, a lot of off coverage, a lot of zone, a lot of playing your eyes in the backfield the whole way, not a lot of press coverage. Yep. Aside from the ball skills and the all the interceptions, he has that Josh Jackson mm. type of feel to him. Okay, uh, who has really kind of struggled to get on the field for the Green Bay Packers. So my second guy, uh, that it, I think shares some similarities in terms of his toughness uh, to Ojemudia, the uh, scrappiness, the competitiveness as Jeff Gladney mm-hmm. is Dane Jackson from Pitt, and in watching him. There are a lot of similarities to J- Jalen Mills, who I loved coming out of LSU, has turned into a nice player uh, with the Eagles. And I, I look at Dane Jackson as very similar, will probably be an, an early day three, mid-day three kind of player. Uh, I like Dane Jackson and what he was able to do. Again, we're t- keeping expectations tempered. Not a guy, I'm saying, first, second round. But I think this guy's got, you know, he's got starting potential in the, in the right scheme. So uh, Dane Jackson, a guy I'm excited to see up close. You know, there's certain schools around, too. They just pump out tough NFL players. Yeah. Pat Narduzzi and Pitt's one of them. Yep. It has that kind of temple feel to it. Yep. And that not contending for national championships, but puts together tough physical players for the next level. I agree. Speaking of LSU, how about Christian Fulton for the mm. national champs? Yeah, uh, a little bit on the smaller side. He's right around 5'10", right? 5'10 yeah. and a half. Um, he's quick. He has the ability to play off coverage. A little bit worried about, number one, tackling. He's got to be a better tackler overall. We talked about his teammate yesterday and Grant Delpit. Similar kind of issue there. And then overall, also playing up at the line of scrimmage and press. I think scheme versatility uh, will be a little bit of a question for Christian Fulton. But tools are there to be a really good off-coverage corner to be able to make plays uh, on the football. And then the other player, I have Troy Pride Jr. Mm. from Notre Dame. Survived a horrific car wreck. Back in the summer, really, where uh, his, he was driving, he was driving. His uh, was car was run off the road, went down a ditch by an RV, wow. and fortunately, it was mom was in the back seat, father was was in the car as well. I think the father need to have a rotator cuff surgery. I think okay. that was the only Jeez. major wow. uh, injury to come out of it. Fortunately for Pride Junior himself, yeah. came out unscathed. So uh, on film, I've watched this kid two of the last three years, um, just because Notre Dame. Kid with a track background, track yeah. ba- track guy, track background. Uh, that athleticism shows up on film. He's got length. 
he's like a prototype press corner, like mm. Ronald Darby type of player. Um, you know, and I, I think the question now with Troy Pride is, can you go find the football downfield? You know, the instincts and coverage, things like that. But he was their number one guy this year in the secondary. Like he was, the, he was their lockdown corner. Uh, and in, in the past, he had been, you know, kind of that complimentary guy. He'd been a nickel. He's kind of bounced around that secondary a little bit. And the more you watch him, you say the tools are there. Like if you pull like his top 10, 12, 15 plays, he looks like the you know, top 50 type of pick. It's just about consistency with Troy Pride. Um, all right, let's go over to safety. Our last group here. Kayvon Wallace from Clemson is a guy that I really like a lot. Uh, I think he's the new age strong safety. Played down in the box. Really comfortable playing close to the line of scrimmage, but it's not because he's this big stiff. He's not a big thumper. He's a guy that uh, when you look at him can play in the slot. He's comfortable playing in space just as like uh, just as well as close to the line. He's just not an explosive athlete that, you know, if he's lined up man-to-man against a, a talented wide receiver, he can get beat deep. He's not a guy that's played a lot of single high or play a lot of two high. Uh, so, you know, playing him down in the, you know, or back in the back of the secondary is a little bit of a projection right now. But to me, you put him close to the line of scrimmage, uh, this kid can have plenty of success. Yeah, one guy that I'm surprised didn't join the linebacker group is Michigan safety Kaliki Hudson, right. who played that Viper role for Don Brown, which is a lot like a linebacker. He's down close to the line of scrimmage, uh, inserting into the box, blitzing, matching up against tight ends. Uh, he's got good speed. He's got good pedal. He's got the ball skills. Just misses too many tackles being six foot 220, yep. playing in the box there. Just not sure where to play him at the next level. Reminds me, and I think he's going to test like Josh Jones at NC State, right? Yep. Who never really found that role for the Packers, and I'm not sure he's even on a team right now no, after so. being a second round pick just three years ago. Uh, Jonathan Cyprian, another player that we had uh, over the past year or two, safety position, but really a guy you want down into the box um, to make plays in there. So interesting to see what he'll do, but he's going to be a good special teams player. And he's going to show up to the Senior Bowl and be able to do a lot of different things. So His, his teammate, Jordan Glasgow, was uh, uh, also the same deal. He was right. listed linebacker at Michigan. They played safety last this past week at the Shrine Bowl. Yes, and uh, his fellow safety, Josh Metalis, I think right. is also at the Senior he Bowl. Down there. He's more of the back-end and rangy player, yep. who I thought had some really good sticks in the run game against Alabama. Yep. Ashton Davis from Cal. This is a player who I feel like you guys have talked about on the podcast. I've heard his name, I feel like, throughout the draft uh, circles. You know, Really was, cool story in that he was a, a walk-on, but not like a oh, preferred walk-on, like, hey, we don't have a scholarship for you. He was a tryout player. Like, he was a track athlete at Cal who they were having open trials for football, and he was like, oh, sure, like, I'll go give it a shot. And they were like, okay, like this guy's a corner, like bring him in. And he was on the team early on uh, as a backup corner, started playing special teams, earned a scholarship, got moved to safety, and now he's a hyper-athletic free safety who can play sideline to sideline, finish on the football. His pick against Oregon was really impressive coming out of the slot, uh, moving in reverse, and how quickly he transitioned into a ball carrier and made a play with the ball in his hands. He's another guy that we're talking about, like high upside, just needs to be more of a finished product. But you like the work ethic as a guy that's a former walk-on that's worked his way up to where he is now. A couple good players in that Cal defense. Evan oh, Weaver yeah. and He's another going safety there. out there. Cam Bynum's a nice corner. Yep. Uh, good players out there. A lot of guys. and we, There are a yeah. bunch of guys that we didn't even hit on that are really talented as well. But uh, we'll, we've got plenty of time. We've got five shows next week. Yep. We'll, uh, right. we'll hit it up. So, again, 
Every day next week, we'll have a, a show from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, Chris McPherson and I will be back on the road again uh, with our trusty producer, Peter Kelly. We'll have guests every single day uh, from down there as well. So uh, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to our trip to Mobile, Alabama. Uh, until then, we will see you next time here on the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. Again, best way to support the show. Go on wherever you listen. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. And that will keep the show going here on the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA.